Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast, where I bring you conversations and information with some of the biggest people in pro football and other sports as well. So, this week, I continue my NFL training camp tour. I find myself right now on the sidelines of Green Bay Packers training camp. I'm going to have some thoughts about the Packers and about a few other teams that I've seen on my camp trip since last we spoke. Uh, But first, let's talk about this week's conversations. This week, you're going to hear from Matthew Stafford, who stunningly, to me, enters his 10th year as the quarterback of the Detroit Lions. You think about that, and wasn't it just like 10 minutes ago that Matthew Stafford was the first player picked in the draft? Well, that actually was 2009. And so 2018, if my math is correct, means that this is his 10th season. Uh, had a good conversation with him in Allen Park, Michigan at uh, the camp of the Detroit Lions. And also, you're going to hear from Andrew Luck, who to me is probably the most noteworthy player in training camp for any team in the NFL. And I watched him the other day uh, in the middle of Indiana uh, at the new training camp home of the Indianapolis Colts. I think he looked very, very good. I'll bring you my conversation with him. Uh, And I think you'll hear from Andrew Luck that, man, he sounds good. He sounds effervescent. He sounds exceedingly happy. Anyway, we're going to get to those conversations in a moment. And then you're going to have my thoughts in the middle of their conversations about the stuff that I have seen on my training camp trip. And first... We're going to start out, we're going to take you to Allen Park, Michigan, home of the Detroit Lions, and listen to my conversation with Matthew Stafford. Back on the Peter King Podcast, Um, happy to be joined by Matthew Stafford, quarterback of the Detroit Lions. So Matthew, here we are, it's Monday, we're in Allen Park, Michigan at your training facility, you're about to get on a bus and go to the airport and go out to practice with the Oakland Raiders for a couple of days. And then you'll be part of the John Gruden experience as he returns to football after about 100 years out. Uh, you'll have a really fun time out there in Atlanta or in, in Oakland, in Napa, because you'll be practicing behind the Marriott Hotel there, which looks like any other kind of Marriott Hotel, and you get behind it, and there's three football fields. Yeah. It's just sort of a weird thing. Yeah. Add to that. The black hole people are going to be there, so it's going to—you'll have a good time out there. Yeah, we're excited. Um, sometimes a change of scenery. This point in camp is pretty nice. Um, I've been a part of going to uh, Pittsburgh and practicing out there and practicing at uh, Indianapolis last year. So both of those is a nice little change-up. You know, it gets a little uh, tough hitting your own guys over and over again for our guys. I know. Wasn't it fun being at Latrobe? Yeah, that, it's really that, cool at that training camp. It's really cool, and and you kind of get to experience some other clubs and how they do it, and. Um, it's, uh, it's going to be fun for us out there in Oakland for sure, and then getting to see Gruden back doing it again will be uh, fun as well. Are you amazed sometimes when you think this is your 10th season in the National Football League? Yeah, absolutely, um, especially just talking to family and friends, you know, and they're like, what year is this for you? And I'm like, yeah, this is 10, and they're like, holy cow, yeah. And then I think back to myself, I'm like, yeah, it has been a while. You know, it's been, uh, it's been um, a lot of fun, a lot of ups and downs, obviously, like everybody, but um, a whole bunch of fun. I kind of like about you that you kind of have different interests in life, too. You're big. You've done some really, really good charity things here in Detroit, both with rec centers and also with just really, really needy people. Mm -hmm. And you know in Detroit there's that. But also, you know, one of my good friends is Mike O'Hara, who's covered the Lions forever. And I said, what should I ask Matthew Stafford? He goes, he goes, 
he's just an interesting guy. <laughs> I'll walk by his locker, and last year he said to me, he said, hey, you watch that Vietnam uh, thing on PBS? I think it was PBS, yeah, right, because well, yeah, I watched yeah, it. Yeah. And he goes, did you watch it? And Mike goes, I lived it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, he served in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. But, but so does that sort of help you kind of keep your perspective a little bit when you get involved and just do different things, whether it's reading, whether it's watching different things? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in a lot of stuff. Um, I'm interested in what's going on in the world. Uh, I'm not... Uh, not to say I don't love everything about football. I'm all in all the time. But uh, there's a time and a place where I like to, you know, kind of just disconnect and, and see what else is going on. I like, to, I like to know what's going on out there. There's a lot of uh, interesting places, interesting people in this world that uh, are experiencing all different kinds of things. And I think it's important um, to be as good a person as you can be to, to be a worldly person and understand what's going on. I want to go back a little bit to Highland Park, uh Texas and just ask you a little bit about growing up because you grew up it was almost if you're a great athlete in Highland Park Texas you're probably going to be a football player but did you ever think the days that you were playing baseball you know often on the same team as Clayton Kershaw did you ever think seriously about baseball I did um up until I started uh, probably my sophomore year of high school up until then I I probably would have told you I was going to play pro baseball. You wow. know, I really thought yeah. um, that that's what I was best at. I didn't know. It's kind of hard to gauge yourself on how good you are, and, you know, compared to the rest of the country. In football, you're, you just play the local teams. Right. Uh, I was on travel baseball teams since I was nine years old, so I'm playing all around the country going, okay, I'm pretty decent at what I'm doing. And uh, it was easier to gauge. I go, yeah, I might have a shot to do this. And then uh, football happened, and my sophomore year I started playing some varsity football and um, – started getting some college offers to play, um, you know, college football. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm good at this. And I kind of like playing in front of 15,000 fans in high school instead of 400 of my parents and the other team's <laughs> parents. So it was uh, – it made that decision a little bit easier. But, uh, no, I loved I loved baseball. It was probably um, my first love in sports just because you can play it at a younger age at a higher level. And, uh, and I, I still watch it a bunch and, and pull for my guys. Did you ever think – in any way that Kershaw might play football instead of baseball? Um, he was a darn good center, um, really. And uh, But then he leaned out and he started getting taller. And, and uh, I was like, all right, this dude. You know, I, I played so much baseball with him. And he was a really a great first baseman, too. He still handles the bat well. You know, you see him in the, in the majors. He's, I think he won a game by himself, basically, the other, the other day. Had a couple RBIs and uh, a couple base hits. But he reached base four times. He walked three times. Got a two-run uh, single or something. And then... yeah. Pitch great, I'm going, that's the guy I know. You know, just dominated the whole game. Um, he was that way from the first time I ever played baseball with him. So I knew uh, baseball was going to be pretty, pretty good for him. Yeah. Um, so, Matthew, you come into the NFL, and the, I, I mean, it's probably a, a weird thing to say, but the play I'll always remember that you played uh, was in your rookie year. You guys were playing the Browns. You were around 2-8. and eight. You were sort of a – you're not playing out the string, but you weren't going to make the playoffs. And you're playing the Browns, and you got, if I'm not mistaken, a separated shoulder right near the end of the game, but you wouldn't come out of the game. And I'll never forget, Steve Sable kind of memorialized you on NFL Films and talked about this. But can you sort of think back and relive that? moment for me and just for people who don't really remember the play and what happened at the end of the game talk about throwing the winning touchdown pass in that game with a separated shoulder yeah we were uh you know we got the ball back um and we needed a touchdown the extra point to win the game and um it was kind of a shootout actually with brady quinn that day was the quarterback wow. for the browns threw some <laughs> touchdowns to my old muhammad masqua buddy of mine um from georgia but it was a shootout and uh yeah, we got the ball with a two-minute drive. We were scrambling around, and, and at some point we had to kind of throw a scramble around Hail Mary um, from probably the 50-yard line, and I threw it. And C.J. Mosley, who was actually a teammate of mine a couple of years ago, at the time was with the Browns, dropped me on my shoulder, separated it. and uh, You knew it at the time? I didn't. I didn't know. I knew something was bad. I'd never done it before, so I was yeah. like, I don't know. And it what was your this left is. shoulder, right? Yeah, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I, it's not right. You know, yeah. something's sliding around in there. It's not good. Um, so I went to the sideline, and uh, they called timeout, and I just knew the rule. For some reason, it just flashed into my head. 
Hey, they called timeout. That's Cleveland called timeout? Correct, because okay. they weren't. We got the ball. It was a pass interference in the end zone. So we got the ball on the one-yard line, no time, no time left on the clock, last play of the game. Wow. They called timeout to get their defense set. And I thought to myself, well, here's my chance. I can get back in the game here. I'm thinking to myself, well, all I got to do is snap it and throw it one time. You know, I can do that. And uh, so I just – Are you still operating a little bit on adrenaline at oh, that 100%, moment? 100%, full adrenaline. And I Who just, on the sideline said you're not going back in? Or what happened? Oh, what? I had a bunch of trainers. I was laying on the ground on the sideline, a bunch of trainers around me, and I just told them to get the – heck away from me in, 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 a, in meaner terms but uh say get away from me I'm going in I just said if I if you need me to throw it I can throw it one more play and Pettigrew ran, ran a great little nod route hit him in the back of the end zone then Hanson kicked the extra point to win it so it was uh it was a great win for our team um you know in our city uh we had had such a tough year the year before I mean it was my rookie year when I got drafted here you know first overall because it was 0-16 you know it yeah. was the uh, first team to do that at that point so um, we needed all the help we could get. I was just happy to be a part of it. And I knew how hard our teammates, uh, you know, had fought and, and our coaching staff had fought just to get to that point. So it was nice to get a win. Is that one of those plays you'll remember the rest of your life? Yeah, no question. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool, pretty special. Uh, at the time, I was just trying to do whatever I could to help our team win. And now I look back on it, and, and it, was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I want to fast forward to now and kind of ask you – you, the quarterback position has gotten so much scrutiny. Um, and, and one of the reasons why I don't really like to glorify guys too much who are playing hurt, because a lot of times you play hurt and it's not good for you. I mean, we saw that with Andrew Luck. He probably played too long with an injured shoulder. Yeah. And I thought that a really interesting point a couple of years ago is when Ben Roethlisberger decided that, you know, he couldn't see exactly right. He's in an eight-point game in the fourth quarter. They got the ball driving against Seattle, and he, he's got to come out of the game. But I wonder, how, has the game changed a lot since you've been in it in that regard? Like, if you really don't feel right, could you raise your hand and say, I need to leave the game. You're about to have your third child. Yeah. Your life is probably a little bit different than it was when you're a rookie, you know, and you, and, and you get the separated shoulder. Yeah, there's no question. Um, and I think guys in the NFL right now are doing a really, a really good job of understanding when you got to battle through and when, you know, maybe it's not good for you. And I think a lot of that has to do with the head injuries. Um, I think most guys are still crazy enough uh, to go out there with whatever else is going on. But you start talking about your head, um, you know, that's a, that's a sensitive subject. That's something that's going to run your body for the rest of your life. And uh, you want that thing to be as healthy as it can be. And, and I think guys are doing a good job of um, policing themselves. We're not perfect. You know, we're still going to make errors in judgment as when you should go in, when you shouldn't go in, all that kind of stuff. And with all, you know, with all injuries. But um, guys Do you are, think you'll be able to say, I need to come out? Yeah, if it's a competitive game. I think, you know, it, it all depends on, uh, you know, what the – got to trust the doctors. You know, we go to the sideline and, uh, you know, they evaluate us if you have an issue. Um, and we trust those guys to make the best decision for us. Um, sometimes, you know, there's a lot going on in the game and it's hard to know, you know, what's exactly what sometimes is with an injury anywhere on your body and, and uh, the head's no different. You at all worried about the future of football? I'm not. Um, you know, I think uh, – you know, I'm just trying to uh, play within the rules now, and the rules are changing, and I get that. And, uh, <laughs> they I, change every year. They change every year, and, <laughs> and, you know, we have the the referees come in and talk to us, and it's all for the safety of the player and for the safety of the game, and I get that, but it's it's going to be, you know, difficult transitions, and it's on us to learn the rules and, and change and adapt with them. Um, but I think uh, they're doing everything, you know, they can to try and uh, help keep guys safe um, most defenders probably don't like some of the new stuff but they're gonna have to adapt and, and we understand that two more uh, questions for Matthew Stafford of the Detroit Lions so early on Matt Patricia he's been sort of under this New England umbrella where people don't really know who he is and they They've, they, they think they know a little bit about him. But now you've got a chance to experience having been around him for a few months now and being in meetings with him. What do we not know about, uh, you know, about your new head coach? What would you like America to know about, you know, Matt Patricia? I think he would like America to know as little as possible. <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> I think I'm going to keep it that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, I like my job, so I'm going to keep it that way. Um, no, he's he is a uh, a very smart, intelligent person. He's a fiery guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that's going to push us. Um, both physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it push us to uh, to be as good as we can be, and and I think that's what he's all about. Um, you know, uh, as far as the other stuff goes, I'll, we'll keep that kind of behind closed doors. But he's a, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a heck of a head coach. Have you liked him so far? I have. You know, um, he's a, he's a competitor. Every day we step out on that practice field, um, I feel like I'm competing against him. Um, you know, he's a defensive minded guy, and I'm trying to go out there and, and shred him up, and you know, throw a bunch of touchdowns and do all that. So. Uh, it's a fun dialogue that we have out on the field. And then, obviously, I have a ton of respect for him and, and his, uh, you know, coaching pedigree, where he came from, what he's done. Um, and I think he has some respect for, uh, you know, how I've played the game for the last 10 years, too. So it's been good. So, Matt, you, uh, you've been in the league now. This is your 10th year, and you have yet to experience playoff success. And I wonder, you know, we sit on the sidelines, and it's easy for us to say, man, that must torment him, or, man – he doesn't care, he's making so much money, blah, blah, blah. But how is it to play nine years in this league to get so close and never to win a playoff game? Well, to this point, it's, it's tough. You know, I mean, that's what you play for. You play for the, uh, the opportunity in the postseason. There's nothing like, uh, you know, playoff football in the NFL. Um, gotten the taste of three times, and it's been a whole bunch of fun. Um, you know, wish we would have come out on top all three times, but – you know, it wasn't the case. Um, but that's what you play for. That's what we do all this for out here. This is the grind in, in August and, you know, early September is for this, uh, these chances to uh, go play in the postseason. So um, it's a long process to get there. It's a grind every year, and I love every minute of it. But, uh, you know, I just can't wait to make it back and, and hopefully make a long run. Matthew Stafford, really appreciate you joining me. I have a lot of uh, admiration for you as a player but I think I have more admiration for you as a person reading about a lot of the things you've done off the field to try to make Detroit a better place, quite honestly. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a place that's uh, come a long way in the nine years that I've been here, and uh, I'd like to you know, be a little bit of a part of that. And I was, you know, Kelly, my wife, and I have had the opportunity to help out some really incredible families and some people in need. And then obviously I've, uh, I've done some stuff with Mitch Album, who's an incredible uh, you know, philanthropic force in this city. Um, with some of our, um, you know, rec centers and, and things of that nature. So um, it's a place that needs help, and there's great people that are trying to lead this city back, and, um, you know, I'm just trying to do my part. I remember, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago when Bill Ford, the junior, mm -hmm. uh, was running the team, and we stood on the field before a game. I forget what year it was, but he said, do you realize there is not a – major grocery store in the city limits of Detroit. Yeah. I said, that is insane. That's insane. I, I, I think there is now, but, oh, yeah. but it, because things have changed a lot, but this city has really, when I go, I, I, go, I love Comerica Park. Mm -hmm, I go see great. the Tigers once every other year. But when I go down there now, it is, it's monumentally different than it was 15, 20 years ago. No question. When I got here nine years ago, it wasn't a place you went. You know, you just didn't go downtown unless you were going to a Lions game or a Tigers game. And now, you know, they brought the Wings and, and uh, the Pistons and put them in that beautiful new arena, too. Um, there's so many new restaurants. Um, Quicken Loans, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, all these companies are moving their headquarters back downtown, flooding it with people. And uh, you go down there and, and um, there's people walking around and, and um, you know, just something that wasn't happening. You know, yeah, a, friend of mine, a friend of mine told me a couple of years ago when Verlander played here that he lived downtown in, in whatever, I don't know, yes. one of the high-rises yeah. down there. I said, that's amazing. And he goes, yeah, he was dedicated to really trying to show people I'm living downtown. I want everybody to know I'm living downtown. I it's, thought that was cool. It, it is cool. It's, it's what it took. You know, it took those companies and those people saying, you know, let's go. You know, let's be the leaders here and let's put people downtown. What Dan Gilbert's done for downtown has been incredible. The Illich family as well. Um, you know, just buying up some of that real estate that really needed uh, a revamping and, and turning it into, uh, you know, condos and, and multi-use facilities. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty special what's going on down there. And we still, you know, have a ways to go, but, uh, you know, that we've got the right people kind of leading us in the right direction. You know, the last thing I'll tell you, 
I, I, I always say this, like I never root for any team. I just don't. Yeah. But there's three teams I really want to see do well, and that's Buffalo, Cleveland, and Detroit. They're the Rust Belt cities where the fans are dying for the team to win. And look, fans want their team to win everywhere, mm -hmm. but they're so hungry for the team to win. I know you feel that. Yeah. And I just think, I think these teams are so important to these cities. Yeah, no yeah. question. I think, um, you know, these teams have been, uh, you know, sports cities for a long time. You know, hey, go to work, go, uh, you know, work at the Ford, at the Ford plant, go home and watch the game on Sunday with the family or watch the Tigers play or whatever it is. So they have a lot of pride in their, in their sports uh, teams in the cities. And uh, Detroit's no different. We, we feel it um, everywhere we go. You know, it's great support, and we're doing everything we can to, uh, to make them proud. Matthew Stafford, thanks a lot. Have a great year. I appreciate it, Peter. Thank you. Support for Peter King comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments. And those can turn the experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. Here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock in your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then, once you've found the one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com king. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply, based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS Consumer Access, org number 3030. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full-body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. So, back on the sidelines at training camp with the Green Bay Packers, Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's an overcast day. No threat of rain, uh, but lots of cloud cover. Players are happy. Temperatures in the high 70s. It's not the kind of oppressive day that usually you feel in Green Bay uh, in the middle of August. Uh, but they've had a very good training camp here. I'm going to give you some thoughts on the Packers in a few minutes. I thought I would sort of scatter shoot around the league and where I have been, but let's start first with a few thoughts on Terrell Owens. Uh, I've been a lot of uh, columns written, a lot of trees. Uh, you know, in, in the old days we used to say, man, there's been a lot of trees cut to tell the news of this story. But the, 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 the Terrell Owens story obviously did not go to 
the induction ceremony at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 318 players in NFL history have made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Actually, 318 players, coaches, contributors have made the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 317 have been either dead or, intent or attended their enshrinement when they were put in the Hall of Fame. The 318th, Terrell Owens, is the first one, first living Hall of Fame member who did not show up. I, I mean, there's a number of ways we can go in this, but I wanted to explain just one thing about the process. You know, I think Owens was exceedingly upset uh, during the process when uh, he was not elected until his third year. And I think one of the... I don't even know if it's a misconception because we are told as voters, I'm one of the 48 voters, and we're told as voters that you are supposed to, you know, include in your ruminations and your deliberations only stuff that happened on the field while a guy played. Now, over the years, we've asked questions of clarification to the Hall of Fame because I cover football. I've covered football since 1984, and I'm lucky enough to have been on the selection committee of the Pro Football Hall of Fame for 26 years. But the one thing that we have done over the last few years is we've asked for clarification. And I'll give you two examples of players. Number one, Michael Irvin. I covered the Dallas Cowboys a lot in the early 90s at Sports Illustrated. And one of the things I found is that there are a lot of things that contribute to winning and losing. And I saw uh, one of the best leaders I've seen, you know, on a football team has been Michael Irvin. Uh, he really basically rode herd and was very hard on Alvin Harper um, in his time with the Cowboys. You know, whereas Troy Aikman was a kind of a Derek Jeter, I lead by example, I don't say a lot. Uh, Emmett Smith was not a vocal leader either. Uh, there's no question, you ask Jimmy Johnson, anybody. Uh, Michael Irvin was a very, very important leader on this team in his time uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. And I always said, I think that should count. And I counted it. I was very uh, upfront with uh, my feeling that it should count. Uh, and I told the hall. We discussed it. They, I think, bought it. Uh, I never asked for approval, but I felt like it was important in determining uh, what we think of Michael Irvin as to how much he did to help that team on Sunday by being the leader that he was. The one other person for the hall um, that I have taken some off-field stuff into uh, into play is Tony Dungy. So I worked with Tony Dungy at NBC uh, for several years, um, sat with him on Sunday, and I saw on many occasions Tony Dungy taking phone calls and being the sort of father counselor figure to uh, a generation or more of African-American coaches in the NFL. He's been a huge, huge factor in the development of African-American coaches around the United States, and I think that counts. I just do. The same way that, in my opinion, it should count for John Madden to be a multifaceted uh, figure in his selection for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Obviously, he coached 10 years and, and had a superior 10-year career with the Oakland Raiders, but he's probably been uh, the most, uh, you know, the foremost guy off the field in the last 30 or 40 years in NFL history, both with the Madden game and being the preeminent TV voice of the NFL for as long as he was. That stuff counts. And so, so I, that's a roundabout way of saying that here's how I feel about Terrell Owens. It's very simple. That if all those positives are going to count, shouldn't some of the negatives that Terrell Owens brought to his teams, shouldn't they count? Now, I want to preface that by saying very simply that I voted for Terrell Owens for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He 100% deserves to be elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, his numbers, his impact, uh, the incredible Super Bowl he played coming back from a broken leg. I, there's no doubt in my mind I feel excellent about uh, my support of, of Terrell Owens, uh, and I am glad he was elected to the Hall. But I do believe, just as everyone uh, has pointed out over the years, what a divisive figure he was. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at the teams that disciplined him 
I mean, he was just a total pain for the Philadelphia Eagles for much of his time, even though he did have that great Super Bowl. He was a very difficult guy for Andy Reid to handle. That stuff, in my opinion, should count. It shouldn't be overwhelming, and it shouldn't uh, mean a, a guy can't be in the Hall of Fame uh, at all. But I think that is one of the reasons why uh, his selection gave people pause. And again, we can argue about everything as it relates to this. And I understand people's arguments. But this is not so simple as just to look at somebody's numbers at the end of their career and say absolutely categorically he has to go in. Um, I certainly believe he deserves to go in, as I say. But I do think there are uh, other factors involved. Now, so uh, the, the Hall evidently is considering now a bylaw or maybe a rule that will say that, you know, players who are alive, you know, have to agree that they will attend the Hall of Fame ceremonies. You know, I, I couldn't disagree with this more. Um, it, it basically isn't anybody's job to be the morality police or the attendance police on who was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Your bronze bust should not depend on whether you step foot in Canton um, uh, in Tom Benson Stadium for the, uh, for the ceremony. Uh, that's my feeling, and it's a strong one. Um, I want to take you now to just quick little stories at three training camps I've seen uh, over, the last, uh, over the last week or so. Uh, I want to start in Detroit. You know what was really interesting in Detroit? LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, if you think about LeGarrette Blunt's career, didn't you think right now at age 32 he'd be winding down and he'd be lucky to make this roster? Hey, look, LeGarrette Blunt's got a better chance to make the Detroit Lions than Amir Abdul does. Amir Abdullah does. Uh, and, and obviously people will raise eyebrows at that, but I can tell you early on, Matt Patricia, the new coach of the Lions, absolutely loves LeGarrette Blunt. And um, I saw practice this past Monday in Allen Park, Michigan, and on two 11-on-11 drills, offense against defense, first unit, LeGarrette Blunt took a handoff on the first down of each one. And, you know, that says something to me. It says that Matt Patricius, you know, believes firmly we will be balanced. And I think it's a cool thing. I think it's a really, really cool thing, in fact, that he wants to, uh, that he wants to have a balanced offense and a very, very strong running game, which the Lions haven't had in a long time. Um, let's go to the Houston Texans, who I found interesting for a couple of reasons. Houston Texans, to me, um, I think they're going to be really, really good. I'm probably going to pick them to win the AFC South. Um, Deshaun Watson had a great day of practice the day I was there. J.J. Watt didn't practice very much the day I was there. Bill O'Brien said, hey, don't don't worry about that. We're just managing uh, how much he's on the field. Watt is obviously coming back from um, a tibia fracture that was an exceedingly dangerous injury. Uh, Watt told me in a in a very, uh, I don't want to, I want to say sort of a fierce way, uh, he was adamant. He says, I'm going to be fine, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to try to convince anybody. I'm just going to play. Um, and it was interesting, as I wrote this week, um, you know, over those four years that he was when he was really great, 2012 to 2015, J.J. Watt had more sacks in that four-year period than Lawrence Taylor had in any four-year period of his career, than Bruce Smith had in any four-year period of his career. But, you know, again, I don't know. He hasn't played uh, great football for two consecutive years. And so I agree with him. I think anything he says now is all well and good, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it's what he does, not necessarily what he says. Um, the, the, last, the last place I would, I would take you to is the Tennessee Titans. Um, we... Our NBC training camp trip stopped off in Franklin, Tennessee at Centennial High School last Friday night. And we basically watched uh, a Friday Night Lights kind of practice. Very enthusiastic fans were, you know, really excited to see their Titans there. About 7,500 people. And I'll tell you, two things stuck out to me. Okay. I mean, think about this. Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis are at the absolute opposite ends of the size spectrum. 
you know, Derek, uh, Derek Henry is, I'm guessing, and I should have it in front of me, but I don't. Uh, about 6'3", 230, 225 maybe. Deion Lewis, you know, maybe 5'8", 180, and 190 maybe. And standing next to each other waiting to do reps in these drills. It just looks totally like a Biggie Smalls type of thing. It's, it was just really, really hilarious to watch them uh, in the same practice session together. And then the other thing I saw is how well Malcolm Butler has been playing in training camp. Twice he dove to make fingertip deflections of Marcus Mariota passes, um, you know, when the ones were playing against the ones. Uh, and, you know, talking to Mike Vrabel uh, afterwards, the head coach of the, of the Titans, and also talking to John Robinson, the general manager, they basically said this is the guy they have seen throughout uh, training camp, Vrabel said, hey, when we were going to sign Malcolm Butler, forget how your career ended in New England. What I want is that guy who showed up with the Patriots as the new guy on the block, the last guy on the roster coming out of West Alabama, uh, wasn't drafted, wasn't even signed as a priority free agent. So I think that's what they have seen so far. I think they really like what they've seen Malcolm Butler do. So it's been a cool thing so far to watch. Um, okay, so those are a few thoughts from the training camp trail. Uh, as, again, I'm here in Green Bay. Um, one thing I'm going to give you toward the at the end of my uh, uh, at the end of the podcast, I'll talk a little bit about these Packers. Uh, but first, I want to get to the conversation I had with Andrew Luck uh, on Sunday in Westfield, Indiana. Wrote a bit of this in my column on Monday. Uh, Football Morning in America at NBCSports.com. And uh, I was impressed uh, with how resolute, how optimistic, and how positive Andrew Luck sounded uh, five weeks before the start of what is a vital, vital season for both him and the future of the Indianapolis Colts. So here's my conversation with Colts quarterback Andrew Luck. Back on the Peter King Podcast, happy to be joined by Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Andrew, after watching you in practice, uh, it's pretty hard to tell that you have gone 19 months without playing in a football game. You look pretty close to Andrew Luck normal. Deep down, how do you feel? There there are some things that feel really good, (laughs) like an old sweatshirt that you put on that just fits well, (laughs) and there are some things that still feel awkward. Uh, and new and wobbly per se, uh, and that's and the tr- you know that fir- the first day of practice was weird. I had no idea what was going on. I left the practice field and said, "I ha- I don't know what I just did." <laughs> you know, who? Well, I survived. You know, how about that? Then the second day was oh, it was a little better. I felt I felt some sort of instincts returning, some motor memory returning on things that I liked, right? And then the third day a little better, the fourth day a little better. And there's still some throws that I, that I revert back to some old habits that I, that, I, that I lose some technique here and there. But more and more there are throws that, ooh, yeah, that felt right. You know, I'd be happy with that in the game in the fourth quarter on a two-minute drive. Or I'd be happy with that on the you know, first down in the second quarter, first off zone coverage, throwing that to the sideline. So it's been fun to sort of mark that and, and see that progress. And uh, there's a lot of work to do, a lot, a lot of work to do. This team, we've got a lot of work to do, uh, but, it, but it's exciting. Gut feeling, uh, second weekend of September when you play your first game, you have a gut feeling whether you think you'll feel all the way back, most of the way back, or how do you think you'll feel then? Yeah, that is a really good question. That is a far, <laughs> far, far way away. I sure I'd love to love to be 110 percent, and that's what I'll work for. But but honestly, my mindset has been you know, live in the moment, and it is cliche, but that's how I've gotten better. It it really is. It's it's getting the most out of each day, uh, and 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 it's 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 hard not to look ahead at times. But but I know the times that I have looked ahead, it's it's, it's been a distraction to me getting better that day, whatever the task at hand is. So watching this practice today, we're here in Westfield, Indiana. It's a Sunday. It's a beautiful day. It's a hot day. But you finished practice rolling to your left and throwing a ball that TJ, T.Y. Hilton rather caught in the end zone for a touchdown. It was kind of a cool moment. Yeah. And I wonder, when you make plays like that, rolling out, throwing the ball, high-arcing throw, kind of a classic 
two-minute throw, and it's good. What goes through your mind? Yeah, I was like, ooh, that felt good. <laughs> I'm glad I could do that again. There are things that happen on the practice field still. Every practice, there's been a couple things that's like, ooh, I haven't done that in what feels like two years. Or, <laughs> yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, and so, and, and it's nice because I'm not necessarily thinking that in the moment, but afterwards, you know, a couple seconds after, like, yeah, well, that just happened. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, my arm's still attached to my shoulder. <laughs> like, okay, I'm not... Oh, hi! This is gonna be all right. It's gonna be okay, uh, and so that's it's it's fun. It really is. You have so many other interests in life, and yet your passion has been football for a mm-hmm. long time. We always I, like when I think of Andrew Luck, I think he's gonna have a great life after football. I don't know what he's gonna be. Might be an architect. Might be an author. I, I mean, I truly have no idea. But you got so many other interests. I remember. Uh, Bruce Arians was telling me early on that you, you wouldn't be strange to hear you talking about architecture, and and you, you've got. It'd be, all... it'd be strange to hear Bruce Arians talking. Yeah, about it. that would be strange. Yeah, it'd I be love good to talk about bourbon, but I don't know about architecture. But anyway, so I've always think thought of you as this guy with so many interests, and yet some of the things I've read about you, you have been in pain without football. You've really missed football. Tell me what that's like. Yeah, I have. I, and, you know, I don't, I, I, there was a part of me that thought I would never have fun playing football again. You know, and then part of me that thought I would never get to play football again pain-free. And, and I, was, I, was, I was not in a good place. I'd, I'd worked myself into a fairly dark place, I think. And I, you know, I don't want to blow it out of proportion. I I know a lot of folks go through a lot of a lot of struggles. Certainly, in professional sports, injuries can take a very large mental toll uh, on folks. And I know when I finally started being honest to myself and asking for help, some people gave some really good help. I know talking to some of my contemporaries uh, around the league about what they went through was was very very helpful. I'm very appreciative for how open folks uh, have been with me, and it's given me a new perspective. I I, I really. I, you know, walking out here for the first practice of, of training camp, I had I had butterflies like it was a game. I really did, and I, and I had forgotten how special uh, that feeling is. And, and 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 a big part of me did take football for granted, and uh, I, I certainly do not anymore. Two other quick things, if we can. Number one, I wonder you're a big reader. In the last year, fourteen months. Have you read much that has truly helped you in your mental approach? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, one, I still read a bunch of fiction, and I think you get things out of fiction. That's uh, you know, it's not necessarily self-help, but there are things to draw from, from any book uh, that you can apply in a positive manner uh, to your life. I listened to The Way of Zen by Alan W. Watts on audio tape, actually, uh, when I was not... When I was in not such a good place, and that was very soothing just to listen to. What'd you get uh, from it? Uh, it? You know, it's a very Western. I think it explains in Western words and Western terms the idea of Zen uh, and and finding inner peace <laughs> in, in a sense. So I didn't understand about ninety nine point nine nine percent of it, but I but I enjoyed listening to it, and so that <laughs> and so that was enough. Um, and then Chris Ballard recommended The Inner Game of Tennis uh, by Timothy Galloway. I might be messing up the, the title, and I've been listening to that. I haven't done much audio tape, but I've been enjoying these two, these two audio tapes uh, on some drives back and forth from camp, and, yeah, it's been fun. How does reading and thinking about other things help you in your life? Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, I certainly love football, uh, but I know if I don't let my mind shut off from it, uh, for at least a couple minutes a day, then then it can become all-consuming. Um, that's something actually, you know, Bruce Arians used used to talk about a lot. You know, football is who you is what you do, not necessarily who you are all the time. Uh, and I remember hearing that as a rookie and saying, oh, oh that's sort of cool coming from BA, who you'd think is a you know, the football 100% of the day all, all yeah. the time. Um, but I think it allows my mind to shut off. And uh, you know, certainly in every locker room, there are a wide range of of interests and perspectives, and it's part of the beauty of an NFL locker room. I mean, where else do you get right now 90 guys from all over the country, you know, some from some from Europe, some from Canada, coaches, all different skin colors, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, all different thoughts and ideas, and you get to work together, you know, to, for, one, for one thing. And certainly we're working against each other right now in a sense, but I... 
you know, that's that's another part of football I'd really forgotten because you know, through a lot of this process, I was sort of by myself, you know, with without teammates, and you realize, I realized, man. I'm glad I didn't didn't do track and field or <laughs> or longer cross country or something because I like team sports. I, I love my teammates. Finishing up with Andrew Luck. So Andrew, the one other thing I wanted to ask was about when you have a coaching staff change. Mm. So you're not only dealing with coming back from an injury, you're learning Frank Reich. You're learning your new offensive coordinator, coordinator Nick Sirianni. How is your football life different? today than it was under the previous staff yeah you know certainly every every year brings change regardless if the staff stays the same or, or doesn't you know this year certainly new staff new system um it's it's interesting having a, a, a head coach that wasn't is an offensive head coach and uh played quarterback for 14 years i've, I've really enjoyed getting to talk to frank you've learned things from oh him, absolutely yeah. he brings a very unique perspective a uh, very thoughtful perspective. Um, I think he has a really good ability to look at a situation from many different angles um, and and share his thoughts. You know uh, what so I kind of like about him and got to know this about him in Philadelphia? He is a all-hands-on-deck, bring-me-your-ideas. Yep. Everybody in this building, yep. bring-me-your-ideas. That's the way Doug Peterson was. He was that way as a coordinator. Mm -hmm. Do you sense you can talk to him on that level? Oh, certainly. We've had some great discussions. And it's not just me. It's all the quarterbacks. And it's in the, it's in the quarterback meeting room with seven of us, you know, the coaches and players. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's in the team meeting room. I, he's very open uh, to all discussion. And I think it, it, it always ends up productive and positive. Andrew Luck, have a great year. Football's better with you. <laughs> Thanks, Peter King. Appreciate it. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash king. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash king. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience, and they invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in the United States. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com king. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-I-N-G. All one word. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash King. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So my thanks to Andrew Luck. My thanks to Matthew Stafford. Uh, they were both very good. I thought very revealing uh, and helpful, especially uh, if you're a fan of the NFL. Those are two of the key figures that you want to know about entering 2018. So I want just to say one thing about the Packers. Here I am on the sidelines uh, as we close this week's podcast. I'm on the sidelines sort of watching, uh, watching practice. And for those who haven't been to Green Bay, it's really kind of a cool atmosphere. I'm standing on the sidelines where, uh, you know, the media stands and and where some, uh, I guess, uh, business partners stand. They come in and watch practice as well. But across is about 110 yards of bleachers. And you look across the way, and there are six rows of bleachers just running the length uh, of this field next to the Don Hudson facility, the training center where the Packers have their indoor facility and obviously with the weather where they practice most of the year. But the outdoor field is fantastic. It's a beautiful, uh, looks like a putting green. And, and it's so fun to come here and to watch people from all over the country who come here because for many of those people, it's on their bucket list. I mean, my, um, my NBC partners have 
scoured the parking lot uh, before this uh, before this practice, and we noticed that there were license plates from 25 states in the parking lot where the visitors park to come and watch training camp. So that sort of says it all. These people are all here on an overcast day, uh, not too hot, not oppressive at all, to watch Aaron Rodgers try to shred uh, the new coordinator, Mike Pettin, to try to shred Mike Pettin's defense, to form a bond with a new receiver named Jake Kumaro from Wisconsin to Whitewater. And Rodgers early on has really loved this kid. And it's funny to hear, you know, when Aaron Rodgers makes a statement in the press about a guy, everybody says, oh, my God, this is, this is gospel. This guy's going to make the team. But anyway, he's one to watch. Uh, and the Packers are such an interesting team to watch because obviously Aaron Rodgers missed last season. Talking to Mike McCarthy today a little bit before practice, I sense a really heavy heavy dose of optimism with this team uh, not only with the coaching staff but I think they feel like healthy they're every bit as good as the Vikings and so we'll see but a little bit of a new era now Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins for the next however many years three years five years whatever it is this is going to be a great rivalry in the great north in 2018 Thanks to my guests, Matthew Stafford and Andrew Luck. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in my podcast series, such as my conversations with John Elway, Roger Goodell, and Larry Fitzgerald. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the Peter King Podcast on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 82. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work, and thanks, of course, to my sponsors, Quicken Loans and Zip Recruiter. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you again from the road next week. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.